False teachers definitely overpromise and underdeliver. That's because what they teach really has no power. It's false, and it doesn't have the power of God. And so false teachers are being exposed in 2 Peter chapter 2 a little bit about how you can recognize them, what they look like, and what they're up to, and where they'll lead you. It's not a good place. It's not where you want to be. Peter will give us more insight in 2 Peter chapter 2. That's today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. They have eyes, 14, 2 Peter 2, 14, full of adultery that never cease from sin. You know, it's been said that the eyes are the window of the soul. Their eyes are full of adultery. What does that mean? Jesus said, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've committed what? Adultery in, in, in your heart. These guys never stop. They, they have a religious business card, but they're gawking at women. They, they act inappropriately. I mean, these are ways that you measure these things. In fact, it says they never cease from sin. They have no power over sin. They entice unstable souls They have a heart trained in greed. They are accursed children. They've gone to the school of greed and they are accursed children. Now, if you're a Christian, you are a child of the Most High God, adopted into the family of God. If you're an accursed child, what are you? A child of the devil, a pawn of Satan. Now, I'm reading the New Testament to you, so I hope you know that the New Testament Writers did not take false teaching lightly. They had some very strong words for people who did this to the church and to new converts. 1 John 3 is the next passage you want to go to. 1 John 3, a little bit again to your right. Now, just a little before Jude. 1 John 3, verse 7. These verses are often misunderstood, but these are talking about patterns of life. I'm reading from the NIV. 1 John 3, 7 says... Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. 1 John 3, 8. He who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin or habitually in sin because God's seed, that is his Holy Spirit, remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he's been born of God. This is how we know the children of God, who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. How can you say you love your brother if you're trying to rip him off for his money with a false movement? And so righteousness becomes a way to measure someone who makes a claim to be a Christian. Again, we're not talking about perfection, thank God. We're talking about direction. We're not talking about that you're never going to make a mistake, but we're going to talk about the overarching umbrella of your life is going to be a life that reflects your Lord. And the Bible just puts it that simple. These false teachers, 2 Peter 2.15 have forsaken the right way. 
They have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he, Balaam, received, verse 16, a rebuke for his own transgressions, or transgression, from, for a dumb donkey speaking with the voice of a man restrained the madness of the prophet. Now, how many of you have read the story of Balaam? Balaam's story is in the book of Numbers, chapters 22 through, I think, about 25. And Balak, a king of that time, wanted him, this prophet Balaam, to curse the children of Israel. But every time he attempted to, because he was tempted by the money, he couldn't do it because God turned the curse into a blessing. And every time he wanted to curse them, he went into like a trance and God would bring a blessing instead. He just couldn't do it. And at first he didn't want to do it, but he was being offered compensation to do it. And so finally, he told Balak, this is the way that you can get to the children of Israel. Use the Moabite women and they'll commit immorality with the Moabite women. And this is the way that he corrupted Israel. And as he was on his way, he was riding his donkey and his donkey wasn't cooperating. And his donkey was moving off the road. And he began to beat his donkey and the donkey said to him, what have I ever done to you? <laughs> Can't I just be with you? <laughs> I've been a faithful donkey, right? Now, when a donkey starts talking to you, you may want to pay attention because God may be trying to get a message to you, right? So the voice of a man came out of the donkey and then it turned out that all of a sudden Balaam looked up and saw somebody in the road and it was the angel of the Lord and scholars believe no less than Jesus Christ who had a sword. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, hey, don't be mad at your donkey because if your donkey wouldn't have turned away at the sight of me, I surely would have killed you and let the donkey live. That's when you look down at your donkey and you say, thank you, donkey. I appreciate you. The donkey had more discernment than the prophet. And sometimes the application, I think, should be obvious. Sometimes people who should know better act like donkeys. And so Balaam forsook the right way. And he went astray because he loved the wages. He loved what unrighteousness paid. See, righteousness doesn't always pay the big bucks. Doing things the right way doesn't always make you profitable in the sense of material wealth. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't be a Christian and have a profitable business or company. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying in ministry, when you do things the right way, it may mean that there's not going to be huge things rolling in, materially speaking. Revelation 2.14 says, I have a few things against you because you have there some who are holding the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block or an impediment before the sons of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. Today we have movements that don't seem to care anymore about the covenant of marriage, don't seem to care anymore about the fact that marriage is between a man and a woman. 
These are things that the church has always believed. These are things that the Bible teaches. But they're not necessarily popular. Please hear how I'm about to say this. With the church in the culture. And I'm talking about the professing church. And so it becomes hard. And the prophet was kind of mad. He, he had gone astray and the Lord used a dumb donkey to speak with the voice of a man to restrain his madness. There's a lot of madness going on. These are springs without water. If you have a spring without water, it's not a spring at all. If you have something that's not filled with water, it can't produce. They are mist driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved. Spring without water. The word spring there is the same one used by our Lord when he spoke to the Samaritan woman. He talked about water springing up to eternal life. And he said to the woman at the well, if you drink this water, you're gonna what? You're gonna thirst again and again. But if you drink the water that I will give you, it will quench the deepest thirst of your life. See, false movements without the true Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit will never satisfy your deepest need. Never. You need to have an encounter with God. And so these false teachers have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They're clouds without water. Imagine that you're a farmer and you really need the spring rains to come and clouds come over and they look like they're gonna produce buckets of water and you wait and nothing happens. A cloud without water. It doesn't produce water or life or anything that is critical to your life. They speak out arrogant words of vanity. They entice 18 by fleshly desires, by sensuality. Those who barely escape or are just escaping from the ones who live in error. They're really good at getting new believers sucked into their movement. New believers who hear people talking about Jesus and the Christian life. And new believers lack what? Discernment. And so they, they prey on brand new believers who have just escaped the corruption of their own life only to be taken advantage of by a false teacher. Can you imagine anything more sad Someone gets out of the world, finally gets delivered by the power of Jesus Christ, comes into a relationship with the Lord and gets manipulated by a professing church or pastor. Devastating. And it happens. Promising them freedom, 19, while they themselves are slaves of corruption. They promise people freedom, but they can't deliver it because they themselves are slaves and that's all they can make. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. Movements that promise freedom. What is freedom? What's true freedom? Is true freedom to do whatever you want, whatever you want, whenever you want, with whomever you want? Is that really true freedom? I'll tell you, people who live that way are not free. They end up enslaved. P.T. Forsythe, who's quoted by Warren Wiersbe, says, the purpose of life is not to find your freedom, but to find your master, close quote. Kind of an interesting thought, isn't it? Because the culture says, oh, you just need to be free. 
But if you go that way, are you... Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael. I just want to share my heart for a second. We have a website called walkintruth.com and we put up a store and we're adding more and more products to it. But one of the reasons I want to get you to that store is that you can partner with us in the ministry. You know, radio airtime costs money and we want to reach more people. If you're being blessed by this ministry, one of the ways that you can partner with us is to go to the website and purchase a product. You can also purchase my book on The Armor of God. I'll get you a signed copy and whatever you give to the ministry will go directly to paying for radio airtime. That's one way you can partner with us. You can help us reach more people like you and you can partner with us in the gospel ministry. It's a great thing. We appreciate you. We love you. Pray for us. We'll keep praying for you. Reach out to us today through the store at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. God bless you. Movements that promise freedom. What is freedom? What's true freedom? Is true freedom to do whatever you want, whatever you want, whenever you want, with whomever you want? Is that really true freedom? I'll tell you, people who live that way are not free. They end up enslaved. P.T. Forsythe, who's quoted by Warren Wiersbe, says, the purpose of life is not to find your freedom, but to find your master. Close quote. Kind of an interesting thought, isn't it? Because the culture says, oh, you just need to be free. But if you go that way, are you truly free? Or do you become a slave of sin? So these religious leaders, write down uh, Jude 119. They, are, they cause divisions. They're worldly minded. They're devoid of the spirit. For if after, verse 20, they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now they, they have knowledge and they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. It would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Now remember, uh, Balaam took the opposite way. He, he uh, went the wrong way. Then having known it, to turn away from the holy commandment delivered to them. Ignorance would be better in their case. It has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog, and this may uh, keep some of you from eating dinner later. A dog returns to its own vomit. And a sow or a pig after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. Keyword returns. Example A, your dog. Now, this is a mystery about dogs. There's, a, there's several mysteries. One is that they say a dog's mouth is cleaner than a human's mouth, yet your dog will drink from the toilet. That seems to make no logical sense. Here's another mystery about dogs. They can vomit, go back to their vomit, and consume it. With owners, usually in the background, saying something like this. No! Don't do that! Why would you do that? But since their reasoning skills are not very high, they continue to chomp away at their own vomit. Now, why do dogs do that? I don't know. 
I have not had one explain it to me yet. I haven't found a dog blog that explains that thoroughly. But here's the key to understanding this. It is simply because it is in a dog's nature to do so. If you wash a pig and you put a bow tie on the pig, dress him in a tuxedo, the moment he walks by some mud and it's time for his mud bath, the pig with the tuxedo and the bow tie and pearls and whatever else you put on the little piglet. And there is a piglet movement in this church. We won't talk about that for right now, but people have pigs for pets. Hey, you're free in Christ. If that's what you want to do, that's fine, right? But the pig, despite the fact that it just got a bath. Now, how many of you, we'll use the dog example. You just washed your dog, right? It's been three years. <laughs> you finally wash it. You, you buy some of that soap. You brush its hair. You let it out because it has to go out. And what does it do? It rolls around in the grass and the dirt. I went out one day and my dog was rolling around on the skeleton of a rat. <laughs> and then I realized... I'm often in close proximity with this animal. Like in its face. I, I, I've already told you I'm a dog lover. <laughs> but after that demonstration by my dog, there was a bit of a distance between us <laughs> for a short, <laughs> long period of time. The dog returns to its own vomit because that's its nature. A pig goes back to the mud because that's its nature. But you, you have a new nature. You are now a partaker of the divine nature by which you've escaped the corruption of the world. So you, Christian, don't go back to the vomit. That's the illustration. Don't go back to the mire or the mud. And frankly, I'll tell you, the more you walk with Christ and the more you're in touch with that new nature, the more you don't want to go back. And if you go back, you kind of go, ooh, why did I ever like the taste of that? Right? Now, I'm going to take you to, I know you can't take much more, so I'm going to take you to one final passage and we're done. It's Matthew 12. Matthew 12. And Shane, if you want to come up, we'll do a last song. And Matthew 12. Here's something Jesus said. And it's, it pertains to this topic. Matthew 12. Jesus had come to the nation of Israel. He was preaching truth, healing people. And he said these words. Go back to verse uh, 41. Matthew 12, 41 says, The men of Nineveh, shall stand up with this generation at the judgment and shall condemn it. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south, Matthew 12, 42, shall rise up with this generation at the judgment and shall condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater or someone greater than Solomon is here. Verse 43. Now, when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, Jesus is using the example of someone who's been exercised of a demon. 
Now, when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it, what? Unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Now, you would imagine that if a person was delivered from something as radical as demonic possession, what's the first thing that you'd want to say to that person? Do you want to meet Jesus Christ? Because if you meet him, the Holy Spirit will come and live in you. Now, if you were here with us on the night, the first night we did Dark Dangers of the Occult, I went out to a home where they said some strange things were happening. And I had an opportunity to pray over a young man. And I don't, I don't say this lightly, and this is the first case I've ever run into in over 20 years of uh, Christian ministry of this nature. There was a possession going on. And we prayed over this young man, and he was delivered from that. And there was another young man sitting at that table who had only been to church twice in his life. He didn't know the Lord. And when that other young man was delivered and he had cried out to the Lord for salvation, the non-Christian young man was sitting at the table and a girl that was there, if you were there that night when she shared this, said, Pastor Michael, I'm concerned about him because I've heard when these things go out, they start looking for another place to go in. And I looked at the young man and said, do you need any more reason to become a Christian? And he said, no, tell me what I need to do. Tell me what I need to do. Tell me what I need to do. It was the easiest leading someone to Christ that I've ever experienced in my whole history as a Christian. I didn't have to say anything other than pray this prayer right now. <laughs> okay, okay, hurry. Lord Jesus, come into my life. <laughs> Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will be with this evil generation. Jesus said, I came to you as God in human flesh. My wisdom outdid Solomon. My presence is greater than anything you've ever seen. If you only knew what you were experiencing, Jesus would say to the people of Israel right now, if you only knew the privilege you had, if you only knew how many people long to see this day, and you've seen it. And if you reject my word, you would have been better off had I not shown up in Galilee and Jerusalem. Because there will be cities on the judgment day that will stand up and say, we listened and all we had was Solomon. We listened and all we had was this. We had the preaching of Jonah. You had the Lord here. And if you don't listen, your state, will, your last state will become worse than the first. Wow. That's what Peter is saying to the false teachers. You're around the things of God. You have a Bible in front of you. But if you don't, if you're not regenerated by the Holy Spirit, it would have been better for you had you never known the way of righteousness and made a claim to righteousness. It would have been better if you were just ignorant because now you've made a claim and now you've led other people astray with that claim. And now you're what? More accountable for what you know and what you did. Now, 
this room, everybody take a deep breath, is filled with genuine Christians, right? That's what I believe you guys are. And so this does not apply to you. Praise God. Unless you're a pretender, unless you're not sure you're born again, then I would just say the way you could resolve this if this makes you nervous is get saved. Amen? Have a genuine experience of being born again and then you won't have to worry about any of this except just how to know how to sniff it out. Amen? Father, thank you so much for your word. Some of the portions of your word are absolutely... (laughs) straight to the point, hard and challenging, but true and profitable. And Peter wouldn't have said these things inspired by the Spirit unless we needed to hear them. And we need to hear them in our modern age because we've had a lot of false teaching in our modern times. And a lot of people that you died for on the cross have been led astray. And Lord, I'm glad that on that day you're going to work all that out. But I think it, it amplifies the, the need for clear, faithful teaching empowered by the Spirit and for discernment of your body. And I want to thank you, Lord, that um, that's here in this fellowship. And I know there's so many faithful Christians in this city and around this country and in the world. But Lord, for those movements that have led people astray and hurt the movement and it's maligned the way of truth, I pray, Lord, that you would move in such a way that those things can be eradicated as stumbling blocks and people can find true freedom in Jesus. If you'd keep your head and heart bowed, if you've not met the true Christ and you want to know him, maybe you were duped by a false movement, maybe you were disappointed by a false teacher or maybe a genuine Christian just failed you. You can can just deal with the Lord. Don't worry about that stuff. Just go to the Lord. He's your great high priest and say something like this. Lord Jesus, I want to know you. I believe you died on that cross for my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead. I'm going to turn away from my sin and turn to you. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my King. Change me from the inside out. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael, and I appreciate you listening to today's message. I want to tell you about the store at walkintruth.com. On the store, we have a brand new teaching up. It's on the occult. It's called The Dark Dangers of the Occult. And we have taught on the subject of demon possession, and we also have taught on the subject of Wicca or witchcraft, and there's more to come. And you need to know about this subject. You need to know what's going on with the occult, what the Bible says about it. It warns about it being forbidden. It warns that you should not mess with it. But there's also something else. We need to reach out to people in love with the truth of Jesus who've gotten involved in the occult. You can have access to this information, these resources to learn more and to become a more effective ambassador for Christ. It's all available at the Walk in Truth store at walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.